sanctuary at that time. And I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. We're going to talk about something that, that sounds so good when we, when we say the word. It's something we want. It's something I know we all need. And, and that is contentment. Philippians 4, and and just the second part of verse 11, Paul writes, For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. The Bible says be content with such things as you have. Be, Be satisfied with what you have. A Quaker offered a piece of property to anyone who considered himself to be contented. And the man goes rushing up to the Quaker to claim the lot, and he said, if you are contented, why do you have to have my lot? Pretty good point. Why do you want my lot if you're content? There, there's discontentment all through this world. There there is such a boast of progress of what the human being has done. I mean, they labor less, they have more money and have more time uh, to enjoy pleasures. You know, people have lots of stuff and people have lots of free time to to do things with their stuff. And and yet, there's, there's more discontentment. You know, that doesn't get to the... To, to the heart of it and satisfy us. There are herds of dissatisfied people all over this world. And, and I'm not leaving out some too. Christians have issues with discontentment. God's people are affected by it. I mean, after all, we're, we're targeted by advertisers. I mean, advertisers, people get paid a whole lot to make us want what they have, to make us think we must have what they have to sell us. I mean, you think about advertisements that come across the phone, your TV, billboards, in the stores, just trying to make you feel that, that, that you're empty and you need to be longing for something, something to, to make us say, hey, I'm dissatisfied and, and I need to go shop till I drop. I need to shop, 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 and spin, spin, spin. There's a world out there with a, with a goal to do that, that, you know, to, that we might become covetous. When you think about contentment and you think about covetousness, you're really looking at some opposites there. Covetousness destroys any inward satisfying that we might have. Jesus pointed it out specifically and said, beware of that. Beware of covetousness. Covetousness sends a knockout punch to contentment. It was Luke 12, 15, beware of covetousness. And Jesus goes on to say, For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. College, uh, Colossians 3, 5 calls covetousness idolatry. When our affections are given to earthly things over God, 
That's idolatry. When, when covetousness is infecting us inside, we're in desperate need of an antibiotic. I mean, we're, we're ate up with it. It's the idea that we don't have enough and we can't get enough. 1 Timothy 4, 8, uh, 6 8 tells us to be content with food and clothes. Is this a real nice thought? The idea of being satisfied as we are with what we have, whatever we go through, that, you know, we may not like what we go through, or we're going to be satisfied through it all. Is, is that just a real nice thought to have, for us to have a little cozy moment? Is that just something that is dreamy? Uh, or is this something that we can actually possess? A contentment, a satisfaction within? If so, how can we have this satisfied state in our lives? Well, first of all, let me say, this is not something that is natural. Look, in, in the natural state, I, you know, I could say that my dad, I, I can't ever remember him wanting for anything. But that doesn't mean that, that it caught God's eye when he didn't even know him. And, uh, you know, he's the, God's the one who created us. There was no glory for him in that. And, 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 and so we, we all may have a little difference in this in, in a natural way. But, but, but look, contentment, it, it is not a gift. One Christian can't look to another and say, wow, they are so satisfied as they are with what they... God has given them the gift of contentment. Look, that's... That's not true. That's not the case here. Contentment is not a gift. It is not just for some people. Contentment is for every child of God. The the command goes out to every single one of us to be content with such things that you have. But, But as we think about contentment, I want to call it a slow grower... And in some ways it is. That doesn't mean that, that we can't quickly come into contentment as a child of God. But it is something that we steadily grow in throughout our lives. There's a maturity that just continually happens with contentment. You know, before we mature in it, I mean, we are, we are tossed left and right. We're controlled by whatever's going on around us before come into a maturity of contentment. When circumstances are undesirable, we get uptight. When we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, we have a little anxiety maybe rise up. When everything seems to be going our way, we kick back and relax. And, and so we change depending on what's going on in the beginning. But contentment is about responding the same way in all circumstances. Don't get me wrong. When we are hit by our experiences, the beginning of that initial impact, I mean, there are going to be feelings, all right? And we're going to feel our feelings. I'm not saying act on our feelings. That's wrong. I don't know when that's right to act on our feelings, But I just say 99% of the time, 
it's wrong to, to act on our feelings. You know, if you, if you kick me in my shin, I'm going to feel like kicking you back in your shin. But it's, that's, that doesn't mean my, our feelings are okay. Don't follow your feelings. Don't follow your heart. The heart is desperately wicked uh, and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? But we start maturing. Contentment is about responding in, in, in a stable way. As we mature, as we mature in contentment, we're not going to be thrown around like some kind of rag doll by what we, by what we want or what we don't have or, or anything like that. The circumstances we go through, you know, when we have a lot, when we have a little, we're, those things aren't going to throw us around through the courses of life's events when we're maturing in contentment. If we're not careful, life will do that to us. Life will chew us up and spit us out and make us as unstable as can be. You know, this, I mean, this life is a roller coaster that we're on. You think about the events of life in this world and what goes on in this world and, and what affects God's people in this world. This life is a roller coaster. Paul talked about it, and, and I think he described it, uh, a roller coaster of this life pretty well in verse 12. If, if you want to look there, notice what he says in verse 12. He says, I know how to be abased. And he says, I know how to abound. And then he speaks of being full and then also of being hungry, how to abound and to suffer need. We know that God is doing good things, though, in the roller coaster of life's events and circumstances. I mean, think, think about what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. Tribulation worketh patience. I mean, we know that our Lord sent His disciples into a storm. Not because He wanted to hurt them, but because He wanted to instill something good into our lives. Contentment. How do we become content? Well, there's an initiation process into contentment. And God, this is not all it's about in what God uses, but God does use the circumstances of our lives to, as one ingredient to bring us to that place of being content. God uses the unstable matters of life that, that, that might come against us or come our way to make us content. We have had situations that have tossed us to and fro in the past. Maybe before we were saved, or maybe we, before we matured. But as we mature, we start to not be so shaken by the diversity of situations that come our way. Think about Paul. Paul says that he's content. Paul, in his testimony, he's using himself here, and he says that he is content. Now think about where Paul is. Paul is in jail. He was not in a pleasant environment when he, said, when he says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I am content no matter what. He, he wasn't living luxuriously when he said that. 
He was in jail. He was in shackles and chains. He was in bonds. He was behind bars. He was a prisoner. And by the way, he was a prisoner for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says in that situation that he's content. He says he's learned to be content. We learn things from the things we go through. They're teachers. I mean, Hebrews 5.8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. We, we learn patience by troubles. Obedience is learned by the things that we suffer. Our trials have a part in teaching us Conflict is one of the courses in the spiritual classroom. There's some teaching going on that God's using those things for. You have Paul, and I know you've heard this before, but I like to picture it and think about it. Paul's in prison, chained to a guard. Do they work eight-hour shifts, and he's attached to three guards a day, you know? Is, is that the pattern? If, if so... Paul preached three eight-hour sermons a day. You, I mean, you can imagine that. You can picture that. that. That there Paul is in prison under those circumstances, and he's sharing the gospel. He went to prison for sharing the gospel. There are men of God outside of prison at the, at the time, and they're not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their mouths are closed because of the persecution. But, but Paul has contentment and he's not pacing the jailhouse floors, fretting and getting all up. He is sharing the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it caused those who were free to go out and share the gospel to wax bold and it encouraged them to go share Jesus with others. The contentment Paul had and the effect that that had. He wasn't dwelling on the high level of pressure. He was sharing Jesus, working for the Lord in prison. Part of this maturity into contentment, it comes by heaven-sent trials that we will have in our lives. But... It's not by trials alone. Trials alone in life, they will leave us calloused, they will leave us cold, and they will leave us bitter. But to come out of those trials, maturing all along the way, it takes some company in our lives. And, and by that word I use company, I don't mean to slight this, because this is the most important thing about growing and maturity concerning our contentment. And, and we find the truth of that in verse 13. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It takes some, some company with us for us to be walking with Christ, looking to Christ through everything that we deal with in life, through the temptation to look at what we don't have, 
to the temptation of, of looking at why does someone else have that and I don't, I don't have it. To the temptation of why am I having to go through this. All of these things. When we uh, keep company in our Lord Jesus Christ, look, the world's situations plus a heavenly Savior strengthens us. He gives us strength, and, and all of this overlaps with this contentment that we are going to grow into as well. You know, problems alone didn't satisfy Paul. But when Paul looked to Jesus, and he trusted in the providence of God through the problems that he faced, Paul had contentment start to grow and mature into his life. Because he walked through his wildernesses with the Lord, he was thankful in the jailhouse. Paul wasn't murmuring walking through, you know, locked up in the jailhouse, but witnessing of Christ. Contentment gives us freedom to enjoy what God has given us. Contentment gives us freedom to enjoy what God has given us. Lack of contentment, we're kind of looking at yesterday maybe. We're kind of looking at what we missed yesterday maybe. Lack of contentment, maybe we're looking to tomorrow. And maybe we're having this wishful thinking about something we don't deserve and thinking that, that that's just got to be my possession and that's got to be it for me. Contentment gives us freedom to enjoy today what God has given us. Paul was free while he was in prison because Christ strengthened him, because he had matured in contentment. Many are walking around with an abundance everywhere under the lock and key of covetousness still. But God, in His grace, delivers us from this bondage whenever our hearts are resting in Him. When we're trusting Him in all things. What so many people long for is is the ideal circumstances in life. I'm talking about such a serious desire and focus and thought that that's what I need. I need absence of conflict. I need everything to start going smooth in my life. Don't get me wrong. I'd all ask God for a break every now and then. The psalm says, How long, O Lord? And we can understand one another in that. But, but if, if, if our focus, if our goal for happiness, if our goal for, for the satisfaction we need is that things have to start rolling smoothly for us, we've got to get off this rocky road and we must get on easy street, that's, that's not what contentment is all about. That's not resting in God. That's not looking to Him. When you listen to people talk, sometimes there are so many substitutes people are, are craving for the Lord Jesus Christ instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who satisfies us. We can only rest in Him when we trust in Him. It's then that we get to 
enjoy the peace of God which passeth all understanding who keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, a verse that just came to my mind concerning being content, we live by faith and not by sight. All this overlaps together. Confidence. Confidence happens in all of this. Our confidence is in Jesus Christ. We, we have the experience by walking with Him that, hey, He is the one who satisfies. He is the one who makes us content. When we look to Him, when we crave Him and His riches, that gives us contentment in our life. Paul didn't say, I can do all things through education. He didn't say, I can do all things through money. He didn't say, I can do all things through power. He surely didn't say, I can do all things through the power of positive thinking. But He said, I can do all things through Christ. Christ, which strengtheneth me. Swipe the floor out from under Paul. Let the walls close in and lower the ceiling. He's going to be fixed on Christ. And he's going to be able to endure it. That's, that's a big part of what we find in the meaning of verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And when we look at uh, these several verses all together, there's a lot of endurance that Paul is talking about that he has because he has, he has grown in contentment in his life. I'm not, don't change scripture. That, that very well known and loved scripture by many needs to stay just as it is. But, but consider this when you say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Part of that is I can endure. I can endure those things that come about through Christ who strengthens my life. As we kind of have gone into that verse... I kind of want to ask a question tonight, though. And, I, and I've never gone this way with these verses. Uh, I've preached them several times. The first, the first time I ever preached in front of Pastor Stone was, was within these verses right in here. It scared me to death. And uh, he said, you did good, son. And, but, I, but I've never gone this way. But, but look, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So it's me, so it's me and Jesus, or it's you and Jesus, and we don't need anything else, we don't need anybody else. And and in one sense you can say amen to that, but in another sense, you know, there, there's something different to think about here. You know, what is Paul saying there? Surely he's not saying, Philippi, church, I don't need you, I have Christ. You know, he's not, like, he's not like those in the church at Corinth who had some division. Some said, I'm of Paul. Others said, I'm of Apollos. And then those who said, I'm of Christ, they, they might be the, the worst ones. They might be those who say, who, who might tell somebody, don't follow man, you just follow God. Well, well God has called preachers to be pastors, and they're, they're shepherds. And, and, and so anyway... Does that mean we don't need others? Because I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Well, the answer is no, we do need others. The way we do all things through Christ 
is by what Christ does in and through us to strengthen us. One way that Christ strengthens us and even helps us with contentment is by way of others. Look what Paul says after verse 13. Verse 14, after he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, he says, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only... Paul could never do anything without Christ, but Christ wouldn't let Paul off the heart of these Philippian Christians. Paul left Philippi by the will of God, and Philippi generously gave to Paul to meet his needs for them to be met. When when Philippi heard that Paul was suffering, They suffered with Him. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. What a place God takes our heart to for one another when that is true in our lives. When Paul was in need, Philippi met the need. There were great lengths of time where Paul could not stay in any kind of contact with the church. And the church didn't second guess what he was doing. They prayed for him. They constantly prayed for him. Whether they heard from him, whether they got a report from him, or whether they didn't. When Paul was arrested and put in prison, and they heard about that and knew where he was, they sent a friend to minister to Paul and his needs. Even in Thessalonica he did it. Look at verse 16. It says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Why did he say even in Thessalonica? Well, Thessalonica was a wealthier city than Philippi. And Philippi knows that he's in Thessalonica and maybe all his needs are met. But they just, they wanted to give. And they gave to him even in Thessalonica. And they gave more than once. They gave and they gave again. Brother Kenneth, are you getting away from contentment? Well, covetousness is get, get, get. So why can't we say in contentment that we're giving, giving, giving? When we're content, we're going to be able to do that too. Supporting Paul was all that mattered to them, no matter where it was. And Paul wasn't just encouraged by what they sent. He might have liked a coat. He might have liked a cover to sleep with at night. He might have liked some coins in his pocket that they might have sent. But he was encouraged so much by the maturity that developed within them, by, the, by what they were expressing, by the giving that they were doing. They freely gave in support of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this was well-pleasing to God. Christ, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Christ strengthened Philippi to be able to strengthen Paul. Paul was strengthened by Christ, through the Philippians. All we need is Christ 
But our need of Christ goes with needing others. When we understand the way that God works, we need one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to pray for one another. God wants to do things in our lives through others. And God wants to do things in other people's lives through us. Christ strengthens us through one another. He uses maturity and contentment in our lives. Contentment in life, it's, it's not just a fairy tale. It's, it's not some dream. We can be satisfied with a sovereign God and His providence through all of our suffering, through all of our various ups and downs that we go through in life. And we can obviously be content, hey, continuously. Back to the original verse, 11, at the end of the verse. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Not only is this satisfaction real and can be experienced, we continually mature into it, and it's an all-the-time experience that we grow into that we can have no matter what. What Christ does in us satisfies. And, and, And as He takes us through trials, and as He takes us through a time that we go without... And, and hey, how about even being content when we abound? There's a lot of people that forget God when they abound. So, so he says that, that in whatever state I am, he's able to be content. I, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. To abound and to be content and keep the, the fixed focus on Christ. Just hitting it home in everyday life for a few thoughts. Whether we have a five-bedroom house or a one-room apartment, either way, there's a roof over the head. T-bone steak or bologna, in both cases, we're not starving. Mall clothes or garage sale clothes, we're covered by both of them. Contentment, it's realizing that God has met our needs and being thankful for it. And that can be continuously. While we're in this world, while we, while we walk through this world and everything we might say or think about this world that we're in, and, and I'm going to read you a word of rhyme as we close to, to kind of help us. to may, Maybe we'll go home and, and continually have God have this thought of contentment Upon our hearts, and no, no matter what your opinion is of this world, uh, overall, get this word of rhyme that someone wrote, and and just let God use it. It says, "This world is not such a bad world as some would like to make it. Though whether good or whether bad depends on how we take it. For if we scold and fret all day from early morn till even." This world will never afford to man a foretaste here of heaven. This world is as good a world as ever was known to any who have never seen another world, and these are very many. 
And if men and women too have plenty of employment, those surely must be hard to please who cannot find enjoyment. This world is quite a clever world in rain or pleasant weather. If people would but learn to live in harmony together. Nor seek to burst the kindly bond by love and peace cemented. And learn the best of lessons yet to always be contented. A Christian's life is much more useful when it's a contented life. This is something for us to set our focus on and realize God has a passion to continually grow us in contentment in our lives. Brother John Weisenbaker, would you close our Bible study in a word of prayer and we'll all be dismissed from the sanctuary.